love that last song that we sang. I, I love when we sing about the, the, the death and the burial and the, the resurrection of Jesus. I love that on this first Sunday of the new year, we came and, and we sang and, and we declared the glory of God. I, I love how that song comes and at the end of it, it says that one day that we are going to see Jesus face to face. You know, and as we come out of the year that we've just experienced, I'll just tell you, it's, it's really refreshing to know that there's a promise that one day that we are going to see him face to face. And as, as followers of Jesus, we can hold on to that promise because it means that the circumstances around us don't dictate our future, don't dictate our eternity. We can find hope and peace in the midst of whatever comes at us. I love the new year. Now, I like Christmas. I like Christmas. I, I like getting gifts. Don't we, don't we like getting gifts? I, I, now, I'm supposed to say I like giving gifts, too. And I, I do enjoy giving, but, but getting's fun, isn't it? Uh, so I, I like Christmas. I, uh, you know, you spend time with family and friends, and, and you enjoy spending time with um, most of them. And... Um, and, and I love Christmas Eve services. I, I love being able to gather and um, just to reflect on the truth that, that God came down to be among us. God with us. I, I love Christmas. But I, I really like New Year. And the reason why I like New Year, it's not, it's not because of New Year's Eve. Um, I like New Year because it's a chance for a fresh start. How many of us like a fresh start? How many of us need a fresh start? And when we stand on the edge of 2021 and we have 2020 in the rearview mirror, you know what? I can't stand up here and say that the circumstances around us are going to be much. I, I don't know. But I do know that 2021 can be a year. That, that maybe is your best year ever. You know, some people like to make goals. Some people make resolutions. You know, there, there's a thing going around right now. What's your word for the year? You know, as you think about what, what word, uh, when you think about the new year. You know, when I see 2021, I, the word that comes to my mind is opportunity. I, I think we stand on the threshold of some incredible Opportunities. Now, I, I can't tell you exactly what they're going to be. I, I can't, I, I just don't know the details of it. But when I look to 2021, I, I look and I walk into it feeling opportunity. You know, I like my fresh start. I, I like, um, I like planning. I like organizing. You know, I'm kind of weird in that, you know, I'm, I used to do this a lot. I don't do it as much anymore, but I enjoy walking through office supply stores and, and looking at all the planning things and the notebooks and, and, and how my mind can get around, how I can be more organized and, um, and how I can get better and how we can, uh, as a team, do better. Uh, used to, there was a store um, that uh, it's not around anymore because of the uh, online shopping, but Franklin Covey. And uh, it was basically a store that had nothing but planners in it. 
and they were, they were, I couldn't afford anything in there. Um, but I loved anytime I went to a mall or to a town and they, and we were on vacation and, and they had a Franklin, I loved walking through and looking at all the planners, the notebooks and think about all the ways that I could attack and plan and prepare. I don't know how you are going about thinking uh, about what's going to happen in 2021. Um, whether you make your goal, you make your resolution, you choose a word. But one thing I do know is just writing it down, just saying this is my goal, isn't going to make it any more likely to happen. Something's got to change. You, you've got to move. You, you've got to make an adjustment to it or else you're going to repeat. I, you see, I, I can't just write down again, lose weight. And it's going to happen. I've got to make a change. I've got to make an adjustment. And it doesn't matter what it is. You have to make a change, an adjustment, if you want things to be different. And you want to see 2021 differently. So I've titled the message this morning, It's Your Move. And so as you think about what's next, what's, what's going to happen tomorrow when you show up in the office? What's going to happen in your family? The truth is, it's your move. Uh, and nothing's going to change until you make a move. Paul had a longing in his heart to go to Rome. Paul had gone east and planted churches. He had taken his, his missionary trips. And, and, and he's writing the book of Romans He'd been in he'd 20 plus years of ministry and he's writing to the, the church in Rome because he wanted to go to Rome. He had a longing in his heart to go to Rome and, and Spain and beyond. He had a longing. And, and I, I think, I think in each one of us, it doesn't matter if you're a teenager, an elementary school age child or an adult. There's a longing in each one of us that we want God to show up and to rearrange the things in our lives so that we can understand him and know him and experience his presence like never before. There's a longing in our heart. And so this morning I want to read some verses in Romans chapter 1. And I want us to think about what adjustments... What changes in our life and in our heart and in our mind do we need to make so that we can experience God, maybe like never before in your life? Read with me in Romans chapter 1. I'm going to start reading in verse 8. Paul writes, he says, First, I thank God through Jesus Christ for all of you because your faith is being reported all over the world. God, whom I serve with my whole heart in preaching the gospel of his son, is my witness how constantly I remember you in my prayers at all times. And I pray that now at last, by God's will, the way may be open for me to come to you. I long to see you so that I may impart to you some spiritual gift to make you strong. That is, that you and I may be mutually encouraged by each other's faith. I do not want you to be unaware, brothers, that I've planned many times to come to you, but I've been prevented from doing so until now, in order that I might have a harvest among you, just as I have had among the other Gentiles. I am obligated both to Greeks 
and to non-Greeks, both to the wise and to the foolish. That is why I am so eager to preach the gospel also to you who are at Rome. Then he says a verse that uh, many of you have probably memorized or you've seen. He says, I am not ashamed of the gospel because of its power, of, because it is the power of God for the salvation of everyone who believes, first for the Jew, then for the Gentile. For in the gospel, a righteousness from God is revealed, a righteousness that is by faith from first to last. Just as it is written, the righteous will live by faith. Will you pray with me? God, this morning, as we take just a few minutes to look at your word, I just pray that your spirit will speak to each one of us. God, that we will understand the work and the things that you want to do in us and around us and through us in this new year. It's your name I pray. Amen. Paul's writing back to the church at Rome, and he had never visited there. He had wanted to, he longed to, he wanted to go and visit the church at Rome. Uh, the, Rome the church in Rome, uh, Rome was the, the center of the Roman Empire, the capital of the Roman Empire. And to be honest with you, um, Christians weren't exactly welcomed in Rome. And if you, if you, if you think back to first century, uh, to, to the, uh, the things that were, were happening to Christians, they were being persecuted. Um, the emperors weren't friendly or sympathetic to believers. Matter of fact, they weren't sympathetic to Jews. Um, Tiberius, he, uh, he, had a, he had a mass exodus of all of the Jews. And then Emperor Claudius, after him, had another exodus of Jews. And so uh, the, the believers in Rome were living their life by faith. They were completely trusting God, not just for their daily bread, but they were, having, they were putting their faith in God for their very well-being. Matter of fact, the, the stories of their faith were circulating the known world. Paul says, I've heard the stories of your faith. I, I've heard about what God is doing in your life. And I, I learn, I've heard how you're living by faith. And so when Paul writes this letter back to the church at Rome, he's, he's not just sending them a, a word to say, hey, I can't wait to see you one day. He's, he's, he's encouraging them. He's pointing out, he's saying, the stories of your faith are being shared all around the world. Wouldn't that be something? If we lived our lives by faith right here in our communities, in our neighborhoods, and, and you know, uh, in, in the New Testament, it says that they, they will know you by your love. Uh, wouldn't it be something if, the, if, if there were s s the stories of our lives were circulating around our neighborhoods and people said, I, there's just something different about those people. Just the, the stories of faith. So when Paul writes this letter in, in, in these verses, I think there's four things that we can pull out of here that can help us as we think about 2021 and what's your move? What do you want to see God do this next year? The first thing we find is your move requires daily constant prayer. Daily constant prayer. In verse 9, 
Paul says, God whom I serve with my whole heart in preaching the gospel, is my, uh, uh, the gospel of his son is my witness. How I constantly remember you in my prayers at all times. And I pray now that at last by God's will that way may be open for me to come to you. Paul says, um, I pray for you constantly. Matter of fact, it's, it's an interesting the way he writes this. He says, um, he says, God is my witness. I want you to know that I'm constantly praying for you. Now, the reason why that's interesting is, is why would he say something like that? You know, uh, he, he's a preacher. He, he's Paul. He's a missionary. Uh, can't, is, he, is he not telling the, the truth? And I think the reason why he says, God is my witness, I want you to know I'm constantly praying for you, is because that sounds too good to be true, doesn't it? That somebody is constantly praying for you? And he says, I, I want you to know that what I'm telling you is true. Because how many times do we do that? You see somebody and you say, I, I want you to know I'm praying for you. And then you forget. You meant it, but then you forget I want you to know I'm praying for you. How easy we do that. And Paul is saying, I want you to know that's not the case. It, these aren't good words. These aren't words of good intentions. I want you to know that I am constantly praying for you. And so as you think about 2021, as you think about what, what you're desiring God to do, it's got to start in prayer. I mean, prayer has to be a central part of your life. He says he, he's praying unceasingly for them. He knows that's one of the best things he can do for the believers in Rome is to pray for them. Now, some of you are leaders. Some of you are leaders in the church. You're, you're a deacon. You're a life group leader. You work with kids, preschoolers. Students, you do various things. Uh, I want to encourage you. If, if God has given you a role of leadership, to pray for the people that he's entrusting to you unceasingly. One of the best things you can do, one of the best things you can do for the people that God's put around you is to pray for them. If you have a business, if, if you lead a team in your office, if you're a volunteer coach, think about the people that God's put around you. And you need, to, you need to list them by name. And you need it somewhere where you see it. So you can honestly look at the people that God's put underneath you. And you can say, I want you to know, God is my witness. I'm praying for you all the time. You see, those kind of prayers, that consistency of prayers will change the things around you. Now you may say, well, I'm not a leader and I'm not in charge of nobody. But you have a boss. You may have bosses. Pray for those people unceasingly. God is my witness, I pray every day. When you think about 2021, before you do anything else, before you make your next move, before you start outlining all the goals and all the things and all the stuff, start in prayer. The second thing we find here is your move requires you to be strengthened 
together. Listen in verse 11. He says, I long to see you that I may impart some spiritual gift to make you strong. That is, that you and I may be mutually encouraged by each other's faith. You see, if, if we are going to become the people that God wants us to be, if, if you are going to step out and, and you are going to make 2021 different than 2020, you've got to have people around you that encourage you, encourages you and strengthens you. You see, Paul says, I, I want to come to you and I want to preach the gospel to you. I want to encourage you. I want to tell you the stories of faith from the people from Ephesus and from Corinth and from all the places he's been. He wants to come in and encourage the believers in Rome because they're living in a, in a hard place. But he doesn't just say, I want to stand up and preach to you. He says, no, I need you to mutually encourage and strengthen me. It doesn't matter who you are. It doesn't matter um, what we do. We've got to have people in our life that encourages us and strengthens us. One of the best ways we do that here at Northside is in, in life groups. It's where we have relationships and friendships. It's, it's where you have a chance to be known by somebody in a place to belong. Now, truthfully, not, not all of our groups... Under, uh, function with, with that strength and that power where we're, we're pushing and spurring each other along where we just kind of sit and listen and we say, well, that was nice, thank you. We, we've got to understand in our groups, it's where we light each other on fire for Jesus and we fan the flame of one another. You see, because here, here's one of the things I know. Probably everybody in this room this year is going to experience and have, have a great celebration of some sort. Life's going to work at some point. But I also know for every single one in this room, you're going to have a setback. You're, you're going to walk through the valley at some point this year. And you've got to have people around you to strengthen you, to encourage you, to say, hey, I just want you to know I'm thinking about you. I'm praying for you. You're not alone. Paul writes to the, the believers in Rome and he says, I can't wait to see you so that I can encourage you and you can encourage me. In the book of Genesis, when God made man, he, he, he went to Adam and he said, it is not good for you to be alone. I'm confident that there's someone in this room today who is struggling with some sort of depression. And a lot of times that comes from isolation and being alone. And I just want to say to you, you don't have to be. We can help find a place for you. You don't have to be alone. And truthfully, for every one of us in this room, if, if we want to step out by, and live by faith... You're going to need some people to come around you and strengthen you, encouraging you. We need to be strengthened and encouraged by one another. So we need to pray. We need people around us to encourage us and strengthen. The third thing, your move requires submission to God's work. In verse 13, 
It says this, he said, I do not want you to be unaware, brothers, that I had planned many times to come to you, but I've been prevented from doing so until now in order that I might have a harvest among you, just as I have with the, among the other Gentiles. I am obligated both to the Greek and to the non-Greek, both to the wise and the foolish. And that's why I'm so eager to preach the gospel also to you who are in Rome. Did you hear what he said in verse 13? He says, I don't want you to be unaware that I've tried to come to you. I've made plans to come to you. I've wanted to come visit you. But God has prevented. He, he was submitting his plans to God. You see, for most of us, we can say, yeah, I know I need to pray. And yeah, I know I need other people around me. But it gets personal when it starts talking about submitting to the will of God. You see, for us to submit to the will of God, it's going to look different at different ages. If you're a teenager, submitting to the will of God is going to look different than if you're a parent. If you're a college student, if you're a grandparent, if you're a single adult. Submitting to the will of God is personal. Just as every single, if you look around this room, every single one of us are completely unique. We have different experiences. We have different passions. When we submit to the will of God, God takes those things and he wires those within us. You know, I've talked with people um, through the years about understanding what is the will of God. Many people would say, you know, I would, I would do the will of God if, if he would just write it on the wall. Or if, if he would write it in the clouds, I'm in. How, how do I know how to find the will of God? Well, the things that I've learned about following the will of God, start by doing the known will of God and in time, he will reveal the unknown will of God. What, what I mean by that is there are many things plainly written in Scripture. And start being obedient to that. So, Not gossiping is the will of God. Not telling lies is the will of God. Sharing the good news of the gospel with your neighbor is the will of God. You see, we could go through the pages of scriptures. Think about all of the one another's that we find. Those are a part of the will of God. And, and what I found is, is the more that I start doing my best, taking steps with following the things I know, the more he begins to fill in the blank on the unknown will of God. Now, I don't know in 2021 if God's going to send you to Africa on a mission trip. I don't know. I don't know if he's going to send you to Baltimore on a mission trip. I, I don't know. A lot of things I don't know. But what if we just start submitting, submitting ourselves to the things of God we do know? Well, what about that neighbor that lives across the street? They, they've lived there for 10, 15 Plus years, you've known them. You've watched their kids grow up. And you know they don't have a relationship with God. And you've never taken a step to tell them. What if you would submit to that? 
What about the person at work? I could leave that as a blank. And if you had that page sitting right in front of you, you could fill in the blank. Because you know. You, you know that thing that God's brought up to you. And for whatever reason, you've kept it a distance. Paul, he understood that he had to follow the will of God first. And he had to set aside his preferences and his desires. He had great preferences and great desires. His desire to go to Rome was completely pure. It was to expand the kingdom. But yet he submitted himself to God's will. The fourth thing we find, we know there's prayer. We know that we need each other to strengthen us. We know that we have to submit to the will of God. And the fourth, fourth thing we find here is your move requires risk. Your move will require a risk. Look in verse 16. He says, I am not ashamed of the gospel because it is the power of God for the salvation of everyone who believes, first for the Jew, then for the Gentile. For in the gospel, a righteousness from God is revealed. A righteousness that is by faith from first to last. Just as it is written, the righteous will live by faith. Your risk, will, your, your, your move will require a risk. And the truth is, most of us don't like risk. The truth is, most of us do everything we can to avoid and minimize the risk. I mean, isn't that wise? Paul says, I am not ashamed of the gospel. I'm not asking you to raise your hand. But if I did, and I were to say, who among us has been ashamed of the gospel. I would love to raise my hand and say, I've never been ashamed of the gospel. And I think most of us, and maybe, maybe we recognize and we go, well, I, I, I'm not ashamed of the gospel. I'm not ashamed of Jesus. Think back to the upper room, the last supper. Jesus was with his disciples Jesus went around the table. He washed the disciples' feet one by one. He washed every single one of them, including Judas's feet. Then he comes and he says, one of you tonight will betray me. And in my mind, I don't know if this is the way it happened, but in my mind, I, I think Peter jumped up. Not I, Lord. Not me. I'm not ashamed of you. And Jesus looked at Peter and said, before the rooster crows, you won't deny me once or twice, but three times. For I am not ashamed of the gospel. 
I think we all have our moments. And there are times when we're strong in our faith and we're bold in our faith. But I think we all have our moments when we're not. I remember back several years ago at um, some churches that I worked at, we, we did Tuesday night visitation. And uh, we would go out on Tuesday night. And the way it worked at, at, this, at our church in Tennessee is um, <clears throat> we'd come in about 5.30, we'd have a meal, and then we would train on how to share the gospel, the good news, for about 30 minutes, and then we'd go out. And me being one of the pastors, I had to be the team leader. And uh, so we would, we would get in the car, we'd go to our place, and we'd get out. And um, I've shared this in, in the running together classes that I've taught. You know, unfortunately, there were some times when I got out of the car and as being the team leader and, and all the boldness that I had and all the courage that I had, I would whisper a prayer to myself, dear God, don't let them be home. We're all there. It all, it happens to all of us at times. But how do we reach the point in our life that whether it's sharing the gospel or, or God putting some next steps in front of us that look a little scary and unknown, how do we reach the point that when we pray and we honestly say to God, God, I want you to do something unprecedented in my life. God, as we step into 2021, I truly want you to do something that is completely unprecedented and uncontrollable in my life. And we think about those risks. Do you have the courage to pray in that way? Sometimes those risks will cause you to look foolish. And there's many of us that don't like to look foolish. But think about Moses when he stepped to the Red Sea and the Egyptian army coming behind. And God said, stretch out your arms. Now that, that's a predicament for that to be the solution to your problem. And Moses did and the Red Sea parted. Think about Noah. God said, build a boat. I'm going to send a flood. Noah didn't understand but he started building a boat. And the people ridiculed him. They made fun of him. They teased him. He looked foolish. Think about Joshua meeting with his army generals as they're about to take Jericho. And he said, all right, here's the battle plan. We're going to march around the city. We're going to do it. And then all of a sudden on the last day when we do it, the last time around we're going to shout. And that's how we're going to defeat Jericho. I just, that's foolish. What about when the angel came to Joseph and said, don't be afraid to take Mary as your wife. You see, sometimes God's going to call us. He's going to put something in front of us that will be a risk that may cause us to look foolish. But how do you think Peter felt when he had the courage to get out of the boat and to take that step? How do you think that moment in time strengthened his faith 
So that when Jesus had ascended into heaven, and he's now one of the church leaders, and he's standing up and preaching in front of thousands of people, how do you think that moment of faith strengthened him when he could go back and play back the memories of denying Jesus and, and all of his things, all of his, the th ways that he disappointed and fell short? But yet he had these moments of faith where he took a risk, he took a step. This year... What about you? Has God spoken something to you where you need to step out to do something out of the norm so that you can understand the presence and the power of Jesus like never before? This story circulated the internet quite a few years ago. It was a small town. It was a First Baptist church. Very formal church. Big organ. Everybody wore their coats, their ties, their suits. This Sunday morning, there wasn't a seat empty in the whole room. They went through the music. And the pastor stood up to preach. And then in the back of the room walked a college student. Long hair, hadn't been washed, dirty shirt, holes in the jeans. And he walked in trying to find a seat. And as he walked down the center aisle, not a seat in the house. He got to the very front. Even the front row, nobody, well, some people sit on the front. Very few people sit on, not even on the front pew was there a seat. And so he did what seemed normal to him. He had a seat right there on the floor. And in the room, everybody was staring. Everybody couldn't believe what they just saw. And in the back of the room, an elderly man got up from his seat, started down the aisle, walking down with his cane in hand, slowly made his way. Everybody in the room knew what he was going to do. Everybody knew well, something had to be done. I mean, somebody had to do something. So he gets to the front of the room and he sets his cane down. And he has a seat right next to him on the floor. He did the unexpected. The pastor that morning had stopped preaching. He closed his Bible and he said, that is the best sermon you're going to hear today. As you think about 2021, as you think about a new year, we're all desiring something fresh. What if you took your eyes off the circumstances? And what if you went to God and prayed and said, God, would you do something unprecedented in my life? I'm open. 
I'm willing. Give me the courage when you speak. What if that was your prayer for the new year? Will you pray with me? God, thanks so much for your word that uh, it encourages us, it strengthens us. God, that it, it helps us recognize that um, it's not our circumstances that define us. But you are king of kings and you're lord of lords over everything. God, and we can trust you. God, I pray that right now, today, we'll go home, maybe tonight, and find a quiet room, find a quiet space, and we'll get on our knees and say, God, will you do something in my life this year so that I can understand your presence and your power in a fresh way. It's in your name we pray. Amen.